Welcome to the Seven Hills Church Podcast with Marcus Mika. We're excited you're here listening as Pastor Marcus is about to bring an incredible teaching that is sure to inspire, motivate, and lift you up. You can visit us on our website at sevenhillschurch.tv or download our free Seven Hills Church app to watch or listen to more exclusive content. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed the message. Chapter 6, verse 31 is where I'm going to read. If you did bring your Bibles, now many of you just look at the electronic Bible on the screen, but if you did bring your Bible, you would know uh, right above verse 25, it says, do not worry. That's what I'm going to preach to you about. Do not worry. Now, verse 25, Jesus is Jesus speaking, speaking to, so it's in red. You all know that, right? When it's in red, it's him. And uh, he says, do not worry in verse 25. In verse 27, it says, which of you by worrying adds one inch to your height, basically. Uh, Which, verse 28, why do you worry? Right, that's a good question. Why do you worry? And then verse 31, he starts to break it down again. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall you eat? What shall you drink? Or what shall you wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles or unbelievers seek. But you as a believer, someone that knows you're a son or a daughter of God, then you and I should be aware that our Heavenly Father knows we need these things. So he's not ignorant of the basic necessities we have of life. And it says, but seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things, all these, these needs that we focus on a lot of times, those things are going to be added to you. Verse 34, he wraps it up again. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, I think it's really funny to look at those groups of scriptures because Jesus has just talk, talked about money and giving. And it's like he talks about it. And he says, don't worry. He talks about it a little bit more. Don't worry. Talks about it a little bit more. More. Don't worry. It's like he's aware that this subject causes people a lot of pain. Right. He gets it like it causes people a lot of pain. This last Thursday night, uh, I got home from uh, a thing, thing that we did in the church and uh, I get home and I have this this cavity, I guess, or this, this toothache. And it's, I mean, it's terrible. It's like, it's not going to wait. It needs to be dealt with. And so I Google home remedies for toothaches. <laughs> and, um, first thing it does, it says, take some ibuprofen. So I just grabbed the bottle of ibuprofen and I just drank it. I don't know how many I drank, but it filled my mouth up. I know that much. And, um, but at that, this point I didn't care. I didn't care what was going on. You know, death seemed like a better option than what was happening. And so then that didn't work. So then I, I doubled up some Tylenol, figured I'd stagger, you know, the, the drugs here. And then, and then that, that didn't work. So it said that you could ice it. So then I put an ice pack on my face and then that wasn't working. So they said you could gargle salt, warm salt water. So I started to do that. And then it said you could chew on uh, like garlic. We didn't have garlic. So I put garlic salt water in my thing and I put that, that in there and, um, anything that I could think of, it still wasn't working. So I, I Googled, uh, emergency dentist. I thought maybe there's like a dentist out there that I could just go see in the middle of the night. I know dentists, but I didn't want to like, you know, abuse my access to them or something. So, so I, called these places and none of the emergency 24 dentists answered their phone. What's up with that? How can you say that you are 
an emergency dentist and you don't have anybody answer your phone. But I guess that's a tough sell um, for some reason. So I, I ended up just kind of going to bed that night. The next morning, I called a dentist friend and he said, hey, this is how you're going to get that done. So I went straight to the dentist and pretty much had like an emergency root canal. Pretty terrible, huh? And uh, it actually didn't hurt at all. It was completely painless, completely painless. And, uh, but I'm in the dentist chair and I'm losing my mind. Because as a kid, uh, I had soft teeth and I had a bunch of cavities. So I was always at the dentist as a kid. And the de- me and the dentist, I don't know. I just, I, I, I think if you want my picture of hell, it's <laughs> that, you know, I mean, that's, that's hell to me. And, and so I'm aware as I'm sitting in this, this dentist chair, I'm aware that my anxiety and, I, and my worry and my fear really has less to do with the pain that I'm actually about to experience and more to do with the pain that I experienced as a, as a, as a kid. And that I'm there squirming and I'm trying to shut it down, but I can't because of, of my childhood experiences. And so that's what Jesus is kind of doing here. You know, he's like, hey, I know you guys have a lot of pain and a lot of hurt and a lot of history in this area. So he brings it up, but he's like, don't worry. And he brings it up, and he's like, don't worry. And he brings it up, and he's like, don't worry. Because he knows we're kind of like how I am in that dentist chair. We start squirming around whenever we hear about this subject in church. And so I'm going to use this text uh, to more talk to you about why you have anxiety in the area of your finances. So what I want to bring up real quick is you're going to actually see at the end, you have to wait to the end, especially if you hate this subject, you're going to love it at the end because I'm going to prove to you that I want nothing from you. I will prove to you, I will make a promise to you at no point in this, I'm going to ask you to give to Seven Hills. The offering is over. So you're squirming in the dentist chair right now, right? But that's not what we're going to do. We're going to try to help you deal with worry and anxiety in this area. And if you kind of are anxious right now, just be open and honest with yourself psychologically that sometimes it's because of a hurt that you had as a child or maybe a season where you had lack and you didn't know where things were going to come from. And so just be aware that it's less about the subject and it's more about that pain, right? Because I think God's wanting to remove that nerve that makes sense? So you don't ever have pain again around this subject. But we just have to know Jesus knew that there would be a little bit of uncomfortableness when it came to, to this subject. All right. Now, this is why I know that we need to talk about it. So this is a study from the Journal of Accountancy. Chris Bazin said 44 percent of U.S. adults have high level of financial stress and adult women are twice as high. In a separate study, it said that 24% said they have little to no financial stress. So 76% of Americans live in financial stress. Over 60% of those live in high levels of financial stress, which simply means that many Christians are not at peace in the area of their finances. Now, we know that fear or worry anxiety, uh, nervousness, anxiousness, that those things are not from God. We, we know that, but yet you said in a church service like this, the subject even kind of comes up and immediately we tense up and immediately we go for to hang on to our wallet and immediately we think, oh yeah, here it is, especially in a big church like this, they're after 
They're after money, you know. But this is what the Bible says. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. So Jesus on the cross not only took care of our sin. He also took care of our iniquity or our generational curses. He took care of the areas of fear and anxiety in our life. Those sources of fear and anxiety. And he also on the cross took care of sickness and disease. So he not only wants you forgiven. Given. He wants you free. He wants you living in peace in every area of your life. And he wants you to live healed and whole. That's how he wants you to live. And the Bible there is the word peace is the Hebrew word shalom, which is the Hebrew word complete, whole and prosperous. And not in one area of your life. It's not just speaking about the spiritual area of your life. It's speaking about your soul, your mind, your emotions, your thinking. It's speaking about your decision making. He wants you whole in your relationships. He wants you whole in how you hear. He wants you whole in the area of your finances. There's not an area of your life that God's not interested in making sure you are completely and totally at peace. So we know that if you're stressed in an area of your finances or in any area, it makes you more prone to sickness. It makes you uh, unable to sleep and rest. When you are stressed, you eat more. You usually eat unhealthy things, right? Because fear or anxiety or stress is the precursor to pain. So your instinct is pain's coming Uh, something's about to hurt you. And so whether it's imagined or real, stress and anxiety increases to prepare you for impact. That's what stress is. Stress is there to say, hey, go ahead and get ready. Things are about to go bad. So stress causes you to want to sedate that because you know, even though you're heightened in stress, you know that there's nothing to be fearful of significantly. So what you do is you eat usually terrible food, all that Halloween candy. You keep eating it. You keep eating. Quit staring at me, Sarah. You keep eating it. You keep eating. I'm a hypocrite right now. Just keep eating it because you're stressed because I was going to preach this sermon to you. So I'm eating all the Halloween candy. And And you feed your, because you're trying to sedate yourself. This is why you're, you don't know what that is? Come on. I see y'all out in the parking lot. Come on. Don't look at me like that. You're stressed out. Come on. Don't act like you don't know what that is. Because you're stressed out. You're trying to eliminate the pain or the potential of pain. So you use chemicals, you use food, you use unhealthy habits to try to escape the stress. Marriages increase, their problems increase drastically when there's financial stress. The number one reason for divorce is financial stress in the home. It causes you to act irrational in all your relationships. You have less mercy. You have less grace. You're more likely to be harsh or mean. And you're also more likely to be judgmental. If you did bring your Bibles, which again, the electronic one doesn't always help you, you would know Jesus didn't stop on saying, do not worry. He said, do not judge. That whole group of scriptures where it talks about get the, 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 uh, 
the timber out of your eye or the log out of your eye before you worry about the speck in another person's eye. We think that that's just a general scripture. It's not. He mentions that right in his sermon on giving, on money. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, listen, when we hear about money or giving in any way, you know what it does? It not only makes us worry, it not only makes us anxious, anxious, it makes us incredibly judgmental. We we immediately start to judge motives. We immediately start to say, surely this isn't right. This can't be okay. This can't be good. And that's what happens. It causes you to be irrational with your relationships. And I think most importantly for the believer, it makes you, it creates an area of your heart where the enemy has access to you. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, that he is the accuser of the brethren, that day and night he comes to accuse us. And what happens during financial stress is the enemy gains access, it opens that window, and he starts to accuse God to us of being unfaithful or maybe God's punishing you. And he loves for believers to be in financial stress. I mean, he absolutely loves it because he loves to come in and whisper in our ear that God doesn't love you. He loves to maybe convince you that look over at them. If God really loved you, you would have what they have. You would be blessed like they're blessed, but because you're not, maybe something's off or wrong with you. And then he accuses you about you. He accuses us to ourselves, about ourselves, that you're inferior or you're inadequate or you're not deserving or you're never going to make it or you're never going to succeed. You're going to lose everything. And he loves that stress and that anxiety because it's setting us up to listen to all the accusations of the enemy to God, for, to us about God, to us about ourselves, and then to us about other people. We start looking at what other people have and we start comparing ourselves to them and they have what we want, now all of a sudden we've taken up an offense towards people that have something that we don't have. Now we're jealous. Now we're envious. Now we're covetous. Now we're bitter. Then arrogance comes in and pride comes in and we get puffed up in our mind and we're looking over at the blessing on someone else and it's actually hurting our life to see the goodness of God on someone else's life. When what God wants us to do is God wants us to be able to look at someone else's life, see the blessing on them and not let the enemy cause an offense between us and them, but allow the Holy Spirit to come into our life and say, man, if they were able to do it, you can do it. And if God did it for them, God can and will do it for you. How many of you bought a lottery ticket for the $1.6 billion a couple weeks ago? Raise your hands. Y'all aren't saved yet, are you? Not, not even... But come on, one of the biggest lies of the enemy is that if you won that, it would solve all your problems. The lie of the enemy is that money can solve all your problems. Understand this. That's what the Bible calls the love of money. It's the unhealthy faith that money is the answer in an area or all areas of your life. Money can solve problems, but money can't solve all your problems. Only God is the source that can be provided to solve every single problem you have. 
And so we don't need to pray, God, give me more money. We need to be praying, God, give me more of you. Why? Because money's not my source. God is my source. Money's not my provider. God's my provider. Money's not my hope. I put my hope in the Lord. And the Bible says when you put your hope in him, he maketh you to be unashamed. You can live your whole life in no shame, no guilt. Why? Because you know God is the one you look to. You don't look to that crazy uh, abstract source that people call money. People think when a preacher talks about this that, that somehow we want something from you. So I want to just be really clear with you. I can remember, this is a true story. I can remember when I first came here, we were 20, I was 29 years old and more people were leaving than were coming. Finances were in drastic decline. I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't say anything about it because uh, I didn't want to scare everybody off. You know, They were already barely hanging on. And I can remember the conversation in a board meeting where we, we had figured out based on the decline, based on everything that we are three months away from closing our doors. And I can remember that pressure and I can remember the fear. I can remember uh, them coming to me and, and me having to say, no, you can't buy animal crackers. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. And I can remember the fear. I can remember late at night walking through the church and laying my hands and I'd anoint all the doorposts with oil and I'd pray over the nursery. God, you know the need for our babies. And I'd go to the preschoolers and the elementary and I'd go to our young people and I'd go to the stage. I'd go over to the soundboard that was falling apart. I would go to all those areas, you know, the projectors that didn't have bulbs and the HVAC units that were about to fall apart. Lord, let it just survive a little bit longer. You know, I would just begin to pray over all those areas. My point is simply this, that that I'm not exempt from this, this idea that worry can take over in anybody's life. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are, how godly you are, how holy you are. We can begin to live in anxiety and fear But Jesus said, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And I want to help you locate some things that I've located in what Jesus taught here that will help you not worry and not be anxious in the area. Again, I'm not asking you for anything. We're not asking you for anything. So you're in the dentist chair, right? There's going to be a little prick there, a little prick, but it's to numb you up. So ultimately, you don't have to worry about being in pain any longer in this area of your life. All right. Number one, we see in Matthew six verses. uh, Let's just look at. Yeah. Verse 24 and 32. If you've got it. No one can serve two masters for either. He will hate the one and love the other. And this is specifically saying you'll be loyal to one and despise the other. And, And what are the two masters that are being talked about here? You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is basically the money God is, is the best way to say that. I could break it down more, but for today, let's just do that. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. Why? Let's look at verse 32. Uh, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek, the world seeks, but you, for you, your heavenly father knows you need these things. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, hey, you have to receive the fatherhood of God. You have to receive the fatherhood of God. You are his sons and his daughters, and he knows the needs that you have. And what the enemy wants you to do is he wants you to be loyal, not to the idea, not even just the idea, the truth that God is your father and he knows your needs. He wants you to detach your loyalty from that and attach your loyalty to mammon or money. Why? Because money promises you things like security, safety, power, prestige, peace, 
no stress, no fear, no worry. And Jesus said, hey, you can't serve both because all those things that money is saying it can do for you, those are the things that God promises he can do for you. He promises you, you can be secure, you can be in peace, you can live without fear or worry. Or He promises you those things so you can't serve both because if you try to serve the one, all of your affection will go towards the one instead of the other. I would put it like this. What Jesus was saying is whenever you go to love something or whenever you go to love someone, ask yourself the question, will they love you back? Has anybody ever loved someone that didn't love you back? Have you? It's terrible, huh? It's not messed up. Like you're doing everything you can to care for them and they don't care for you back. Makes you feel unwanted, makes you feel insignificant, makes you feel like something's wrong with you, makes you feel ugly, makes you feel devalued, makes you like what? When you go to give your love to something that doesn't love you back, it's a horrific feeling. And, and that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, hey, listen, you gotta be careful when you go to love the one thing because when you, when you go to love the one thing, you're actually not able to pour your love into the other thing. So he's talking about money. This is what he's saying. He's saying money doesn't have the ability to love you back. So be careful to put your affection there because you'll end up trying to love money and then you're gonna be mad at God over it. Because you can be like, God, I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand why there's all these. And he's like, but, but you're giving your love to something that can't love you back. So that wall can't love you. Wall, you're beautiful. Well, when I walked in here, I saw the nice glow about you. I don't know. When I, you know, I just feel like there was a connection between me and you all. I don't know. Is it just me? Our eyes locked. And I just felt like there's something special, a spark of some type. Pulpit. Look at that podium. Shiny. Look at that curve. Mm, come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. What you doing tonight? Huh? Oh, look at that beautiful speaker. Oh. What you laughing at? Y'all doing this all week long, giving your affection, your attention, your love to something that can't love you back. This is how it looks. Just want you to know how foolish it looks. Oh, speaker, so soft. So, do you guys remember the, the movie with Molly Shannon? You remember the movie with Molly Shannon, the uh, superstar? Y'all remember that? Superstar. Remember that? And do you remember Molly Shannon making out with a tree? Like making out, full-blown making out with a tree. And it was so funny and it's so memorable because it's so dumb. It cannot love you back. This speaker, no matter how much I try to give my affection to it, it can't give me affection back. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, listen, money has no character. It has no in integrity. It has no heart. It can't love you back. And while you're spending all your time worrying, thinking, uh, giving your affection, giving your conversations, giving your thoughts to this, all that time you're doing that, you could be giving your thoughts, your attention, your affection, your love towards God, which who can do what? He's your father in heaven. He knows you have all these things over here. And guess what? Money is not relational. Our father in heaven is relational. Money is not your source. He's your source. Guess what? When you give him your love, you can actually receive that love. So the first key Jesus said to not worrying is no, you have a, a God that wants a relationship with you and if you'll give your love to him, your affection to him, he knows you have need of these other things. So, so money 
is not something you can build a relationship. It's not something you can give love to. Money, therefore, cannot be your master. It's got to be your servant. Money can't tell you what to do. It can't tell you how to think. It can't tell you how to feel. You've got to tell it what to do. It's your servant. God's your father. He's your master. Money is just there to serve your basic needs. Some of you right now can't believe that God would actually love you that much that you could put all your confidence in him and that he's gonna make sure that he, you're gonna take care of everything. And the reason you can't is you still have an orphan spirit when it comes to God. An orphan spirit just says, I'm on my own. I've gotta take care of it on my own. I'm my own person, I'm my own man. And that is not the will of God for you. You are adored by your heavenly father. He has shed his love abroad in our hearts. God is for you. God loves you. He wants to help you get rid of those unhealthy soul ties with things. And through his perfect love, he wants you to live no longer in fear, worry, anxiety in any area of your life, especially in the area of finances. Come on, say amen. I love this verse. Of course, you've heard it before, but we don't believe it. God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Philippians 4, 19. If you believe that God could supply your needs, if you really believe that, would you live in worry? Almost done. So what did Jesus say? He said, okay, can't serve both. Don't worry, don't worry. These are the two things he said. Verses 19 through 21, he says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? Because that's where God is. So put your treasure where he is, right? Because where your treasures, your heart is. So want your heart to be with him, not with the things of this world. So this is about your heart is what verse 21 says. And then let's go down to verse number 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seeking first the kingdom of God is a reference. Anybody who studies the Bible at any depth knows that anytime you read the phrase first, it's in reference to the Old Testament tithe, the firstborn, the first fruits. It's a reference to the tithe. Now, this is what I want to do my best. Jesus said, you pray. Um, so can I sit down? Laying down was so comfortable, so I felt maybe sit down. Sitting down would be comfortable. Jesus said, we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So the prayer is his kingdom first, my needs second, right? That's the prayer. That's, that's the order. He's first, my needs are second. I can pray over my needs, but my first and my best goes to God. That's how I do it. Now, I started to think about This message. And I started to think about how uncomfortable people are with this subject. And I started to think about how Jesus doesn't want us to live in fear or worry. And I started to think, okay, so here I am as a pastor. My hope is I've been here for 14 years, uh, coming up on 14 years. And when Sarah and I came to this area, we we committed to give our life to this, this city. To me, a pastorship, as long as God's grace is available and we don't do anything too stupid, come on, you know. Preachers are just dumb sometimes. We all know it. And so if we don't do anything too stupid, then the goal is I could spend the rest of my life here. 
pastoring. And when I kind of get old, I'm going to find a young gun that I can hand it all over to and he'll just tear it all up. And it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Um, but this is, this is, this is my point that how many of you are here today and you've been at seven Hills for one year or less? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Okay. Do that. Do this so people can kind of see. So kind of everybody kind of look around. Now, how many of you, two years, two years or less, so you weren't in the old building. You weren't in the old building. You raise your hand. This new building, you started coming to Seven Hills since we've been in this. You've never, you haven't attended church in the old building. Raise your hand. Come, wave. Now, you cut, the first people raise your hand. You're still in this little picture. Come on. I just want everybody to see your hands. I want, I want everybody to see. Probably, I don't know. What, what would you say? That's probably 40%. Some of you are just not going to raise your hand no matter what. Now, I think this is an important thing because a lot of you come and you go and you're all over the place and that's fine. I'm not mad, but I'm just saying, how many of you have been here 10 years or more and you've been locked in faithful no matter what? Raise your hand. You've been faithful no matter what. You went to Detroit. Come on. Ten, ten, I, want, I, want, I, want, I, I want to make a point. So I'm not, I'm, I, I want to make a point. 10 years or more, you've been faithful. You've been here. Okay, raise your hand. Ray, keep it up. 10 years or more, you've been faithful. I want you to keep your hand up because this is why. I want you to see how few people it is. I want you to see. So what would we say? 20 people, 10 years or more? 20? This room probably has, what, 1,500 approximately in it right now? So about 20. Somebody got the math on that? We're almost done. We're almost done. I'm not going to ask you to do anything for Seven Hills. We're almost done. We're going to deal with worry, all right? I know, I know. But remember, it's the hurt and the pain back here. It's not really about the subject. So what this tells me is that most of you aren't going to be here in a year. Some of you aren't going to be here in five years. So if I'm doing this for me, can we just be honest about it? Can we just talk about the current state of the church? The second something happens you don't like, you're gone. You're out, right? That's just how it works. Listen, I'm, I got to be real about it. That's just how the current state of the American church is. We are consumers, So when I talk about this, you have to know that if you do get the revelation of it, if you do, most of you are going to end up giving somewhere else, not here. And that is my responsibility to the kingdom is that wherever you plant your life, you go with a heart to say, God, I want to make sure you're first in my life. And the way the Bible says we put him first is we give the tithe. That's the first that's the first. It's not the last. It's the first because it's the best. The first means the best. The last is, hey, if everything else is good, I'll think about this. If everything else is okay, I'll think about it. So I ask myself the question, how could I help people that do not have the faith or the confidence in maybe me or the church that because, you know, again, we're a big church. This is what mega churches do. And somehow this is probably reverse psychology. I know all the stuff that's going on. But I said, okay, so this is what I want to do. I want to, number one, say, if you are not currently putting God first in the area of your finances, because this is what Jesus said is the antidote to not worry. I want to, number one, say, you cannot give to Seven Hills. You can't. If you are not currently, you can't. I am telling you, do not do it. I am telling you, because this is what I want you to do. If I'm going to pastor in the city for 50 years, 
Somewhere we're going to run into each other, in some restaurant or a grocery store or, I don't know, at Starbucks. We're going to run into each other somewhere. And my heart is that you would get the revelation, that it would come alive in your heart for the purpose of the kingdom of God advancing and for the purpose of you experiencing the blessing of God on your life, on your family, not living in worry or stress because we, we talked about all the things that worry and stress does. So I want you to be free from that. I want you to be so free from that that whether you hear or not or you ever give to hear or not is not the point. The point is, is someone that wants to live the rest of my life in the city, I want you to get it. I want you to get it so deeply in your heart that you know Jesus said, if you put him first, all these other needs that we have will be taken care of. And I have to believe it too. Do Seven Hills have needs? Oh yeah. Oh, surely you don't have needs. Oh yeah, we have needs. Absolutely. But I know if I teach you to put God first, if I put God first, if Seven Hills puts God first, he said, all these other things will be taken care of. So I don't have to live in worry if you give someplace else. I don't have to live in fear if you give someplace else. I don't have to do it because God's my source. God's my provider. God's our source. God's our provider. Now watch this. I'll show you how this works. It's a true story. You know, the biggest contributor to this building was an atheist. We couldn't afford the land this building is on. Couldn't afford it. Matter of fact, the guy who owned this land said that we would get it over his dead body. That's what he said. So between him and a bank, they gave, we got this piece of land. Between him, a guy who said we couldn't, and we didn't step over his dead body, it was his bankrupt body. But <laughs> think about that. Think about how funny God is. Think about how funny God is. That the largest, if you were to ascribe a dollar amount to it, it would be without question to seven figures plus. It's a guy that didn't believe God, a bank that had nothing to do with the kingdom of God, but God knew we needed it. God knew our future. And look around, many of you are here because God knew that. And it didn't come through a preacher beating people up to give, it came through the faithfulness of God. God's faithful. God can provide. So this is what, this is what I want for you. I want you to experience it because from my experience, anybody who does experience it never goes back. Anybody that truly puts God first never goes back. They never stop because they see it. God is so faithful in this area. So I want you to maybe pick the church that you used to go to, to tithe to, pick another church, uh, just a random church. Just pick a random church. I'll, I'll name off the church. First church is a great church in our town. Uh, Crossroads, great church in our town. Give to Crossroads. Uh, give to um, Vineyard. Vineyard has, you know, had a change in leadership. They could probably use it. Um, great pastor there. I really love Mark. He's just a precious man of God. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, uh, there's probably others. I'm just, just saying, just because then guess what? It's unattached to any motive, any reason. It's unattached, completely unattached. And you can go and say, God, I'm going to attach my giving to a kingdom purpose, to a place where souls are saved, the gospel is being preached, Jesus is being preached, hope is being preached. Maybe it's another nonprofit, but put him first. Test him. That's what the Bible says to do. Test him. Don't. It's not, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm asking you, I'm, I'm, do not do anything for Seven Hills, please. I want you to get this and I want you to not let the devil be able to whisper in your ear that somehow the church wants something from you. 
I want you to be able to, I want you to, be able to shut the devil up in that area and truly with, with freedom say, okay, God, I'm going to test you in this area and let God prove himself to you. Why? So you won't live in anxiety. So you won't live in worry. That's what Jesus said. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. And we're so worked up and worried. And churches can't even preach the truth in this area because there's been so much pain in our past, so much hurt in our past. And, and, you know, and it's our own stupid fault, honestly. And so I want you free in this area of your life. I want your heart to, to really recognize where your, heart, or your treasure is, your heart is. And I want you to be free from that. So, and I don't think I'm going to stop today. I know Pastor Tommy Barnett's here. I think I might pick this up and just talk about some more negative emotions we have about this. You know, because my dentist told me that I had to come back in two weeks because he had put medicine down in there and he had sealed it, but that the, uh, that if I didn't come and get it permanently sealed, that bacteria would get down in there and it would come back. So I feel like I'm going to invite you to stay in this with me as uncomfortable as it is. And let's just keep sealing it up, right? Let's keep sealing that thing up. I know it's, I know it's nerve wracking. And again, this is not for seven hills. I'm I'm not doing that for you. I want it for you. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. I really want you to experience the blessing, the faithfulness of God. I want you to see God can bless your 90% more when he's in it than when he's exempt, your 100% can be blessed. I want you to see how that works. It's a miracle. It doesn't make sense. It's somewhat spiritual, uh, but it is a truth in the word of God that you can trust and you can test and you, to me, need to trust it and test it outside of this church, okay? So don't do it for seven hills. You say, what are we going to do? What happens if whatever? Shouldn't the tithe go to the local church? I believe the place that you're spiritually fed is, should be that place for you. But for this test purpose, I feel like we need to put the devil on his back. I feel like we need to break the grip of worry. And for that to happen as a congregation, I want to play the long game with you and see you get the revelation of it and detach from us that feeling that I'm up here and have a need. If we can detach that, we can team up and do some awesome things together. Um, And so that would be my hope that, that the Holy Spirit would allow this moment to free you from the idea that this church wants anything from you. We want something for you. We want your kids blessed, your family blessed, your marriage blessed. We want, we want you to experience the richness of God in every area of your life. We want you free from worry, anxiety, and fear in Jesus' name. Can you put your hand on your heart and I'm done.